the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. Jacksonville Jaguars were shellacked by the Detroit Lions 40-14 to on December 4th. They looked destined for another disappointing season. They were 4-8 and and three games behind Tennessee in the AFC South. Since then, the Jaguars have run off four consecutive victories, while the Titans have lost six in a row, allowing the Jaguars to catch up and overtake them for first place and a potential playoff spot. This weekend, when the Jaguars and Titans meet for the second time this season, it's for all the marbles. The winner is in the playoffs and will host a first-round game. The Jaguars are one of those teams no one wants to see right now. Trevor Lawrence looks like he's caught up to the speed of the NFL. The Jaguars' defense is playing as well as anyone. And Coach Doug Peterson looks like a Pied Piper after turning around this team less than a year after Urban Meyer seemingly sunk them to the lowest depth in franchise history. Today, Demetrius Harvey, Jaguars beat writer for the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville, joins us to talk about this weekend's game, the postseason potential, and how this team was able to turn things around two-thirds of the way through the 2022 season. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida Network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper, and of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. Demetrius Harvey took over as the Times Union's beat writer in August, just days after training camp began. Being the sports editor over the Times Union, I had the pleasure of hiring Demetrius. He's really knowledgeable, great at breaking down the numbers, and excellent at sharing his message on social media. Demetrius, welcome back to the podcast. How's it going? Oh, we're doing great this morning, and let's start here. After a decade of futility, aside from 2017, no one expected this team to do much this year, and many in the national media said Doug Peterson was a ho-hum hire at coach before the season. The national media started to paint a picture of Trevor Lawrence as a potential bust. They don't pay attention all season, and now you watch the talking heads on the major network shows. They talk about the Dallas win as if that was the turning point not even acknowledging things like the Las Vegas comeback and the Baltimore comeback. So, Demetrius, what does this team have to do to finally earn respect? Is it one playoff win? Is it a run to the AFC Championship again? Is it a Super Bowl win? What what does this team got to do to get more people to turn their heads and actually pay attention to them? Yeah, it seems like, you know, whenever the Jaguars... um actually do something positive you know like in 2017 when they went to the AFC championship game uh the Jaguars were on the news all the time on ESPN or on NFL network or on any any network that that you could find really uh and and really it's it's just about th- this team has not been um how should I put this maybe sustainably good or you know ha- have sustained wins for quite some time and and it's just a a, a situation where you know, it's it's kind of a small market. There's there's not very much attention needed to be paid to them um, from a national perspective. It, it, it's tough to come up with storylines because of how almost disconnected it seems like the Jaguars are to the rest of the league, at least in some circles. Um, but 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 yeah, I think that what needs to happen is 
they they get to the playoffs. I think once they get to the playoffs, uh, once people sort of you know gravitate toward uh, Doug Peterson, you know, because he's he's nationally loved. You know, every every ESPN talking head talks about how much um, respect they have for Doug Peterson uh, for what he was able to do. You know, with the Eagles, I think that all it takes really uh, is for them to have sustainable success, and it doesn't hurt now that they have a quarterback, in my opinion, and Trevor Lawrence, who is potentially going to be up there with those guys like Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, you know, guys like that, where all of a sudden you have to pay attention to the Jags because they're going to always be there. Yeah, the last four weeks, Lawrence has just looked so comfortable back there running that offense, and he's looked really good. And I got to tell you, the defense, the players that they have, the free agents they've brought in, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but, you know, before the season, people are talking about fire Trent Baalke, and now he's starting to look like he's done a pretty good job, doesn't he? Yeah, it's kind of crazy how much a a year can be a difference or, you know, uh, just just bringing in a a couple guys here and there uh, can change everybody's sort of narrative on Trent Baalke. You know, after the season, I was among those who 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 believed that, you know, the Jaguars should clean house completely. And that meant Trent Baalke not being there. I thought that he hadn't done enough uh, within the draft, within free agency uh, and building the roster to sort of make this a sustainable winning football team. Uh, but but, you know, he's he's sort of um, I wouldn't say completely proven everybody wrong because there's still some issues. But, you know, he's he's proven to be somebody who can bring in the right set of guys. He he really nailed this free agency class from Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, um, Foye Oluwakin, Foley Fadakasi, um, just, just 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 all of these different names. Evan Ingram. I mean. Uh, all of these guys have been pretty major contributors to this team, and I think that what 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 really has stood out about it is that you know the the culture of this team has changed. I think that that was important. I think that not not only are these free agent acquisitions actually bringing a lot of talent onto the field and giving them you know results that are 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 positive on the field, but off the field in the locker room, you know when they're going through that five game losing stretch it's really easy for the team to have just said, you know what season's over. You know, this is just like last year. It is what it is. We're, we're, we're better, but um, you know, we'll hopefully be better next year. No, they, they sort of banded together and then, you know, you see the results now. So I think that uh, what Trent Baalke has done has been, has been pretty good. I think that, you know, obviously he's still going to be judged off of what happens next. Yeah, and obviously you can't make this total comparison, but if you look at what happened, for instance, with the Indianapolis Colts, uh, a franchise that was really down, they draft Peyton Manning, he had one bad season, turns it around the second season, and then they have a decade and a half of greatness. So, you know, Jaguars fans, they got a lot of hope because Trevor Lawrence is starting to round out into form second year. He's got a long way to go, Demetrius. Absolutely. You know, it it, it, it kind of is similar, you know, I know Peyton Manning had, I believe it was 28 interceptions his first year. I think everybody, I don't really know necessarily what the national narrative around that time was because I was only, I think, around four or five years old. Um, <laughs> but, but, but you know, I, I, I do see some, some similarities. You know, it, it was a quarterback who was brought in that was promised to be um, a historically great quarterback. You know, everybody sort of thought about Ryan Leaf and or Peyton Manning, and then you know it it, it ended up going with with 
with Manning. And so uh, I think Lawrence is, is not, I'm not saying he's going to be Peyton, um, but he's the type of quarterback to where obviously year one was, was not good, but then all of a sudden year two, he's taking that leap. And I think the hope is around the Jaguars, around the Jaguar fans is that he can take an even bigger leap next year. Yeah. Thanks for making me feel old, by the way, because I saw Peyton Manning play twice at the Swamp when I was a student at the University of Florida. So appreciate that, Demetrius. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So let's talk about this Saturday's game. The game was flexed between the Titans at the Jaguars, 8.15 p.m. Saturday, AFC South Crown on the line, a home playoff game on the line, and I was reading that it looks like they're going to go with Josh Dobbs at quarterback for the second week in a row. Ryan Tannehill, of course, out. Malik Willis, their first-round pick, just not living up to what they were hoping he would be. And I can understand this decision because Dobbs, he's got more NFL experience. He knows the speed of the game a little bit better. But, you know, the Jags' defense over the last four games, they're a top-three defense in the league, and they're playing at a high level. But when these first when these teams played a few weeks ago— The first half, it looked like Derrick Henry was about to get him some, but they shut him down in the second half. So how do you see this game going? What is your prediction? And break this one down a little bit for us. Yeah, you know, it was was a little bit surprising to see Josh Dobbs start, you know, against the Dallas Cowboys. I think that that was sort of, um, at first it was seen, at least by me, uh, maybe they're just trying to give him a shot. And then others others were saying maybe they're trying to rest Malik Willis. You know, you already have so many starters out because of injury or or I, I believe what, what, what they were doing was resting guys uh, to prepare for week 18. Um, but, you know, he actually took the reins there. And I feel like he definitely looks like a better passer than Malik Willis has. Certainly, I think, you know, Willis only had. I think a career high of 99 yards passing or something coming into that game. So it was a situation where clearly he was not ready for, for what the Titans needed him to do. Um, but, but yeah, going back to the matchup, I think that the, the Jaguars really match up well. I mean, there's a reason why the Titans are on a six game losing streak and the Jaguars are on a four game winning streak and, and, and the Jaguars beat them in Nashville. And, and that game was even really close. You know, it was 36, 22 at the end, but um, I really don't think after the, after the first half of the game, I really don't think that the Titans really had a shot. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it, it's a situation where you're right. Derrick Henry, he ran for, I think it was 115 yards or, or something around there in the first half. Uh, one of those runs was, was a, a 50 yard scamper. And I think that what really, you know, sets, sets that team apart is if they can get him rolling, uh, they can control the ball much, much better than, than most teams can, you know, he'll, he'll turn out, six to eight yard runs. He'll, he'll grind it down. All of a sudden the defense is exhausted and then he'll pop off a big one. Um, and by the time you look up, the Jaguars offense has only been on the field once in the first half, you know, that, that those are the type of drives that Derrick Henry can give them. Uh, I don't necessarily think that that's going to be how it plays out. I think that the Jaguars, um, have shown at least, you know, up until this point that they are capable of, beating teams that they are supposed to beat. I think that that's something that they haven't done in the past. You know, um, going into that Thursday night game against the Jets, you know the quarterback situation. You know how the Jets are reeling. Um, It was a sloppy game. Those are games that the Jaguars would typically lose in the past. Uh, Going up against the the Texans, they've lost nine in a row to them. They had lost uh, 20 out of the last 24 games to them, I believe it's been. Uh, it hasn't been easy for the Jaguars to beat the Texans, but you know they went in and and they did what they were supposed to do against a bad football team. 
Um, I think that it's going to be a similar situation. Obviously, I think that Coach uh, Brable for the Titans is uh, an incredible coach, and he's able to get the most out of his players. But there's only so much you can get out of guys um, that you know with with a roster where it's just so injured, so beat up, and and you know I, I think that this is something where we'll actually see finally the Jaguars make it over the hump. What do you think the score will be? Uh, score, I, uh, it's it's kind of tough to tell. It depends on how how the ground game will go. But I'll I'll say this. I'll say um, twenty four to ten Jaguars. All right. Yeah, you're pretty close to where I see it. I actually have twenty four to sixteen written down here on my sheet. So we're pretty close in agreement. And right now, the Jaguars, they are six-and-a-half-point favorites, so that line can obviously move as the week goes on, but they are favored pretty well in this one. Yeah, I mean, and it should be. You know, you have the Jaguars, you know, with all the momentum. I think it was smart that they played all their starters, and, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, certainly, and should mention that Derrick Henry looks forward to this game every year because he comes back home to Jacksonville, and we just celebrated the 10-year anniversary of the game where he had 502 yards rushing and six touchdowns in a game before he went off to Alabama, so, you know, always nice for him to come home, but Demetrius, let's talk about one game earlier this season, you know, the, the Jaguars, they go to Detroit, and they absolutely get hammered. Prior to that, their seven losses were by 10 points or fewer, and six of those games were actually one-score games. So in other words, they were always close, but on that day, they got shellacked. And it looked like their season was pretty much done at that point. And, you know, now you look at what they've done four in a row. They've had these major comebacks against the Ravens, the Raiders, the Cowboys. So what is your opinion that kept this team focused after that Detroit loss where they're four and eight? How are they able to kind of keep things together so they could put this win streak together and get back to eight and eight? Yeah, I, I think that Detroit game, um, everybody kind of points to the, the, to the Broncos game in London as the turning point. Uh, but that Detroit game was really the turning point. It was the time where I believe they were just coming off of an emotional comeback victory against the Ravens. Um, you know, then all of a sudden they have to travel to Detroit. Uh, you get off the bus, it's cold and, and, you know, you're the, the energy just wasn't there. They, they didn't know how to keep that sustained energy. And then all of a sudden you get into the game and, and before you know it, you're losing, you know, like you said, 40 to, to 14 it, it, or it, it's just a, 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 a bad situation for them where they're seeing, uh, success for the first time the previous week. You know, they're they're finally trying to get over the hump. They think that they got it. The quarterback looked great, and then boom, they lay an egg. So I, I think what 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 happened there was sort of a a, a wake up call for them. They know they knew that they needed to uh, get it right. They needed to keep the energy up. They couldn't just come out flat um, and think that they got it. And I think that that's sort of what's uh, built them that four game winning streak over the last four weeks where where they're able to uh, keep the energy. I, I think, you know, fully Fadakasi told me after the game um, last or against the Texans that, you know, this team banded together. They 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 gelled together. They came together. They didn't fight. There was no infighting. There was nothing uh, pointing fingers or, 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 or anything like that. And I think that that's sort of the, the culture that Doug Peterson has set for the team. Um, it, it's sort of the culture that the players have set for themselves where they're not going to just give up. And I think that that's sort of been the turning point every 
player that we talked to sort of points back to that game as we can't let that happen again. And I think that that's something that uh, moving forward, they're going to keep harping on and, and making sure that they can keep that momentum going. Yeah, absolutely. And in climbing back to eight and eight, here's a weird uh, fun fact for you, Demetrius. The the three NFL teams in the state of Florida, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are eight and eight. They've won their division. The Jaguars are eight and eight. They're trying to win their division. And the Dolphins are eight and eight, and they have no chance of winning their division, but they could get in by a wild card. So parody in football, it's just an amazing thing, isn't it? It's fantastic. I, I, I said it on Twitter the other day and, and there, there's really nothing like it. Um, the, the NFL has has got it right. You know, obviously they added the extra game. I think that that's done something. They added the extra wild card spot. That's done something. Um, but, but but it's really funny to see, you know, all these teams have a chance. You, you, you're never out. You're never completely out. Um, until the final week, typically, you know, there's a, there's a couple of teams, ob- obviously, that have actually been e- e- eliminated. But if you look at all these week 18 games coming up, I think there's only like a couple that don't have playoff implications. So, you know, I think that they figured out the product and, and, and it's fun to watch. Yeah, certainly. So, you know, let's talk about obviously what, one of the great stories this year is Trevor Lawrence last year. He didn't play poorly. I mean, look, 3,641 yards. You know, obviously, I think it was 10 touchdowns to 16 or 17 interceptions. Not great. He had Urban Meyer as a head coach. That's not how you want to start your NFL career. But this year, you know, he's played really well. And even in the games they've lost where he's had mistakes, it's just unfortunate because he may have one mistake, but it's the one that costs them like a one score game. He's had bad luck because, you know, most quarterbacks, they, they can overcome one mistake. Obviously, like we can skip the Eagles game because that one was rough for him. But, you know, when you look at Lawrence, what is the thing that finally, well, I think it was the interception in the Broncos game, as you mentioned. I think it flipped a switch in him, and he said, look, enough of this, you know, enough of what I did against the Eagles. And he really, aside from, I think, one bad interception since then, he has been near perfect. So, you know, what is this guy's ceiling? Because he is starting to find perfect passes. You know, he, he's finding the holes. He's making throws that only his guys can catch. So talk about his turnaround and where you think he can go from here. Yeah. You, you know, you know, after or, or during the draft, everyone's talking about how Trevor is a generational quarterback and, and, and what they mean by that, or at least what um, I would think they would mean by that is that he has the talent and the potential of somebody who doesn't come around often. He's not a guy who all of a sudden every year in the draft, you're going to see one of him like a CJ Stroud, not to say not to uh, dis- disparage some of these guys that are coming into the draft, but uh, he's different. And and I think that that's something where all he needed to do was sort of tap into that. And I think that Doug Peterson has done a great job of get of making it easier for him. He's given him easy throws, easy reads. Guys are running wide open. Uh, you don't, get to that level without actually seeing the success happen. I think that after the, or after that Denver game, he sort of sat back reflected and said, you know, I don't need to be the hero on every single play. And I think it was easy to think that way last year when guys were just not running open, the offense didn't really have a rhyme or reason. Every time you went into the game, you were like, are they going to run the ball or are they passing it? Uh, Are they going deep? What are they trying to do? It seemed like sometimes they were forcing stuff. 
Um, you know, it just wasn't a, a great environment for him to be around. He didn't have proper coaching. Um, they just didn't have the right pieces to surround him to to give him that success. So, of course, he's going to have a poor year. Um, after this Denver Bronco game, though, you know, he's he's been on fire. He's been one of the top, I believe, five quarterbacks in the league as far as EPA is involved. And um, just, just being able to find the right reads or, or, or read the right plays um, find the right guys and, 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 and he's been, he's been successful at it. He's, it, it's, it's really remarkable. The turnaround, I don't think that anybody would have expected it to be that exponential, that, that big of a growth. Um, like, like we've seen over the last, I believe it is six or, 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 or seven games. And, um, I, I really do think that it's just him kind of buying into himself. I, I think the the sky's the limit for him. I, I don't think that I ever wavered um, in terms of, of being able to 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 say that. He just makes throws that not every quarterback can make, and I think that's what makes him so successful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, he's closing in on that 4,000-yard mark. I think he needs 99 yards to get to 4,000 for the year. So if you took that, I wrote a story before the season, Demetrius, for the over-under for Trevor Lawrence at 4,000 yards, and I recommended people should take it. So if anyone at all listened to me, hey, I take percentages. No, I'm kidding. But, you know, it's really great for him. He has had an awesome uh, year. And some of the things that have definitely helped, you know, the running game finally coming together. Uh, Before the season, it looked like you had a two-headed monster with James Robinson returning and seemingly getting more work after Urban Meyer maybe didn't use him to the best of his ability. And Travis Etienne, who was taken in the first round, didn't even play last year because of a foot injury, him coming back. And then Robinson gets traded away because Etienne, in his playing time, even though he was getting fewer carries, looked more explosive. He looked like he was a guy maybe with a little bit more upside. And now that he's become the man, he's become just the fifth running back in team history to eclipse 1,000 yards in a, in a season. So how important was it for him as a second-year running back, who's essentially a rookie, to get the opportunity to, you know, this is yours, go get it, young man. And I'll tell you, with that one long run last week, he sure did. Yeah, it, it, was, it was very important. You know, he, he was a first-round pick for a reason. Um, obviously, that was under the the previous regime or at least, you know, the previous head coach. But they took him, um, and I don't think anybody batted an eye as far as, you know, his talent. You know, if you watch him at Clemson, he was probably one of the best running backs we've seen in, in quite some time. He, if in, you know, in years past, I know that the running back position has sort of been devalued, um, but in years past, he would have been a top 10 pick. He, he was that type of player. Um, so to see him have so much success, it, it's not, it's not a surprise. Um, you know, it definitely was a surprise to see them trade James Robinson, but I mean, look, the, 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 the guy hasn't even been active over the past few games for the jets. Uh, there was a big reason why they traded him. Um, they wanted to see eat, ETN get 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 more you know field time. I think that what 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 really turned turned the, the the corner for him too is that it seemed like the game started to slow down for him. The more carries he got, the better he got. Even in that Denver game um, that we all point to for 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 Lawrence, that was really the coming out party for ETN too. He had 156 yards in that game rushing, and it wasn't like he, you know, got the ball 40 times. He got it 24 times. So it's it's a situation where all of a sudden he's, you know, seeing the growth. He sees what he can do, and now he's able to have, you know, the I think it is five or six 100-yard games this year, over 1,100 rushing yards, five touchdowns. 
um, he's a guy that you can rely on. I think that the one the one question that we still have is the 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 fumbles. You know, he's he's had I think it is five fumbles this year. Um, it, 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 it's a situation where you're not quite sure if he's going to hold on to the football, you know, last week, uh, he dropped the pitch, he was able to recover it, but you know, it, it's still a, a shaky thing. So I think that what, what, what he's done has been uh, great. I think that they, they enjoy having him as a running back and he's a guy who can take it like we saw last week, you know, to the house at any given mo- moment. Yeah, I think Doug Peterson and and uh, you know his offense coordinator Press Taylor. I think they're going to get it down to where uh, ATN is looking the ball all the way. And I think sometimes young guys they put their head up too soon before they secure a ball, and that leads to some problems. So I think that they'll definitely get that ball security issue squared away. And you know another fun fact: it's strange that uh, Travis ETN would have a brother named Trevor and a quarterback named Trevor. So that's a little odd, but. So let's talk about free agent signings here, especially on offense. I mean, the Jaguars, they spend big money to get Christian Kirk. He pays off right away. They pay money, you know, a good contract for Zay Jones, and he's paid off. And now late in the season, Evan Ingram, he's having the season of a lifetime. And then on top of that, you get a top-notch lineman in Brandon Scherf. So just talk about the the contributions of each of these guys because, you know, you hope to hit on one or two. It's hard to hit on all four. Yeah, it, it's very rare to hit on all four. Um, you know, I I think we were looking at it, and, and I think since the 1993 season, uh, there's only been, you know, I think the Miami Dolphins are the only team to have three players come in, either rookie or free agent, um, and, and, and are able to get, you know, 700 yards receiving for each of those players. So uh, to have those contributions, you know, in, in, in such a major way by all newcomers, it, it's rare. It doesn't quite happen all the time. You don't just bring players in, then all of a sudden you're you're able to, you know, take off, especially free agents. You know, free agency is weird. You know, everybody's sort of overpaid a little bit. Um, you're kind of just trying to fill holes. Really how you build teams is, is, is through the draft. So to be able to see all these guys, Christian Kirk, you know, over a thousand yards, Zay Jones over 800 yards, now five touchdowns, Evan Ingram. Now he has the, um, all time single season, um, record for receptions by a tight end for the, in, 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 in Jaguars history, as well as the yards by a tight end in Jaguars history. And, and you know, it's, it, it's been incredible to, to see how good these guys could become so quickly. Obviously, I think that some of that is tied to um, Trevor Lawrence, but a lot of it is is thanks to Doug Peterson and then obviously their own talents, their own merits. Um, I think that, you know, Doug has gotten the most out of these guys that that he can get and probably there's more to come next year and in the years to follow. Um, but yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's been, it's been crazy to see, you know, the success that they've had. And then Brandon Sheriff, you know, he, he's a guy who, um, you know, at Washington, he was a perennial pro bowl player. Uh, he's, he's a solid contributor there. there there's, there's no question about it. When, when they made that signing, it was like a slam dunk, you know, you know what you were going to get. Um, and, and, and he's battled through injury and he still hasn't really dropped off in talent. So I think that that's been the catalyst for success this year. I think that the offensive rebuild has been successful. Um, and I think moving forward, all they're going to do is add to it, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, free agency, while it was kind to them on the offensive side of the ball, 
It was good to them on defense, bringing in guys like Arden Key, who I love to watch play, Darius Williams, who won a Super Bowl last year. You draft Trayvon Walker and Devin Lloyd. But on defense, it's really the guys who have been there. You know, you look at Rayshon Jenkins, Josh Allen, Roy Robertson Harris, Andre Sisco, Tyson Campbell, Dwayne Smoot, the list goes on. So, you know, what does it say about the perseverance of these guys who have been around two, three, four years and who have seen some really bad stuff? But, you know, you could give this defensive unit an MVP award, really. And, you know, Mike Caldwell, he was battered around when this team was blowing leads earlier in the season, but he's really gotten them back on track. Yeah, they, they've only given up six points in the last two games. Uh, you know, no touchdowns since, since you know, three weeks ago. I, I think it's 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 great what 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 they've been able to, to accomplish. I think that during the middle of the season, I think what most of what was lost in, in in this year for the defense is not only were you inserting guys like Aluakin, Devin Lloyd, uh, Darius Williams, all the newcomers, but they're also going through a complete system uh, rebuild. You know, the this is the third defensive system uh, that 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 some of these guys have have gone through. You know, they they they've sort of had to relearn what they were doing. They went to a three, four base defense, you know, last year they were sort of multiple, uh, the year before they were more of like a four, three hybrid kind of defense. I believe a lot of different players. Um, it was a terrible year. You know, it, it was just, everything's sort of been different. Josh Allen hasn't, uh, you know, b- before last week, Josh Allen had never beaten the Texans, you know, and he was drafted in 2019. Uh, so there's been a lot of, you know, unique changes to this defense. And I think that uh, w- w- what we're seeing now is sort of them all gelling, them all buying in now, them all coming together. You know, Andre Cisco becoming the starter. Um, Tyson Campbell is playing um, at a Pro Bowl level easily. I mean, he, he didn't get any votes or, you know, not many votes for the Pro Bowl because he's not a popular player. Uh, not many people know him, but if you watch Jaguar games, I, you know, you don't even notice Tyson Campbell. And, and, and that's sort of um, a credit to him because he's not getting picked off. No one's, no one's going to be throwing him the football. Uh, I think what, what, what they've done to find these like little niche um, contributors like Arden Key, who has four and a half sacks, um, you know, Roy Robertson Harris was a was, was a free agent signing from last year. Uh, he's really come on lately, two and a half sacks over the past few games. Uh, I, I think what what we're seeing now is sort of you know an uplift, a a, a change in, in how the defense is played, and it couldn't have come at a better time uh, because you're trying to make a, a playoff push right now. Yeah, absolutely, and you know, again, there are so many differences in this team this year, but the the one you really have to look at is the one at the top, you know. Doug Peterson, it it is incredible what he's been able to do because, you know, you have a team last year that was just, it was one embarrassment after another. It was, you know, Urban Meyer having a lap dance. It was Urban Meyer kicking a kicker. It was, you know, James Robinson unhappy with Urban Meyer. And, you know, Urban Meyer, he always looked like he was just one fumble away from a heart attack. Whereas Doug Peterson, he just always kind of looks the same. He's processing it. He's figuring it out. He's looking how to get better. So can you even verbalize because you were here last year how different is it from Meyer to Peterson yeah it's <laughs> it's it, it's actually very hard to to even compare the t- you, you can't really compare it, it it's it's a situation it's a just a completely different situation uh I, I it's unbelievable looking back on on just how 
um, atrocious he Urban Meyer was as a head coach. It, it it's kind of laughable that he was even allowed to coach in the league, and that's crazy to say because you know of how much success he's had in college. You know, two national championship games, or I think three actually, one with Ohio State, two with Florida. Uh, it, it it was it was just baffling to see. I think even during his uh, maybe maybe not the first press conference, but one of the press conferences after the the Saints loss in the preseason. Um, he looked like he was just completely shell-shocked. Like, I can't believe we lost this preseason game. And you could tell, I think, at that point, if you go back sort of in hindsight, that that was sort of the the, the telltale sign that this was not going to go well. And, and, and it just didn't. It really it really didn't. Um, I, can't, I can't tell you enough how different Doug Peterson is than Urban Meyer. It, 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 it's remarkable. You know, Doug has come in ever since day one. He's been the same exact guy. It, it, it's crazy. Every single press conference, there's been no difference. I haven't seen him get overly angry. You know, obviously there's been frustration, you know, some, some, some down moments, especially during that five game uh, losing streak, but he's really kept it even. Uh, he's really stayed the course and in, in, in what his vision is. And I think that that, is a sort of reflection on on what what he wants to do with the team, uh, and I think that the team has sort of taken to that. They bought in completely, and they bought in early. And I, I think that that was the 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 major key of this success this season is that the players bought in. He had to regain their trust because they did not trust coaches after last year, and 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 I don't blame them. Um, but you know, being able to come in. Uh, give that sort of calm, say, hey, we're going to ride this. We're going to do this well. Um, you know, e- even in his own mind, I'm sure he thought this was not going to be um, a-, a fantastic year by them. It's going to take some time. I think in his first press conference, he said this is not a one year fix. And and he's just stayed the course. I think that that's remarkable. I think that that shows great leadership. I think that he's what, what he's done. They couldn't have asked for a better person to come in after what happened last year. And I think that they they really nailed it. You know, it, it was crazy because of how long and extensive that coaching search seemed to be. It didn't seem like a, 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 a great coaching search. It seemed like they didn't really know what they were doing at times. There was the whole Byron Leftwich fiasco. Um, but they really they 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 found their guy. And I really do believe that, you know, I, I think I talked about it earlier this year, maybe even like after the first few weeks of the season that, you know, this is the guy you can tell right away that he was different. You could tell right away that he was a legitimate head coach and he knew what he was doing. And I think that that's just, um, you know, a testament to 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 how good of a of a coach he is and, and, and how much success he's had in his past. Yeah, absolutely. Just that kind of calming, steady voice. And if there's one thing he may have actually done, if you're Trevor Lawrence and you get to the end of your rookie contract and this franchise is still laughable, you're leaving. And now if things go well this year and then into next year, you're going to be able to sign this guy. Shad Khan will back up a Brinks truck for Trevor Lawrence and maybe they'll borrow the one that Jalen Ramsey had. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I, I I think that that's one of the, the the funny things about it. I remember last year, um, there there was actually some like talk or like you know just like everyone was was thinking, you know, is Trevor does Trevor even want to be here anymore? I, I, and I legitimately think if if they would have kept Urban Meyer, if they would have kept him this year, and it would have been a similar um, result, I think that there would have been legitimate questions on how many players would request trades, how many players would want out, and I don't believe that Trevor Lawrence would be uh, absolved of of any of those rumors. 
All right. Well, I got one more question for you before I let you get out of here. And that is this, that, you know, the Jaguars this year, it's one of those odd things with a 17 game season. Some years you have eight home games, some years you have nine. This year they had eight, but one of them's in London. So they only had seven games at TIA Bankfield in Jacksonville. Uh, you know, now they're going to potentially even host a playoff game there. They get to close out the season there. They're four and two there this season. Is there any type of advantage that the bank brings? Because this is a night game. It's not going to be one of those games where people are absolutely baking and dying in the sun there. So, you know, uh, do, do you like having the last game at home? And, you know, what do you see as the advantages of being at the bank? The advantage is you have this incredible fan base that's going to be lively on Saturday night. Um, the Titans fans, they don't travel um, incredibly well. And by travel, all I just mean is they don't necessarily have pockets of fans everywhere. You know, Dallas Cowboy fans are, are everywhere. So that was going to be, you know, 70, 30, 65, you know, 35 for that game. But this game is going to be filled with Jaguar fans. I know how passionate this fan base is. I, I've, I've seen it firsthand. I think that um, they, they don't get the credit that they deserve and, and, and how much um, passion that they have for this football team, how much they love this football team. I know that this is going to be an, an incredible atmosphere. I think that the advantage is um, when the Jaguars are on defense, it's going to be loud. It's going to be, um, I would say, and I don't think I'm going out on a limb here, it's going to be one of the uh, best crowds, best Jaguar crowds we've seen um, since the 2017 season. And, and and by that, I mean that Seahawks game. If, if, if you go back and, and, and look at that, it wasn't a night game, but it kind of turned night because it was a later kick. It was like a 415 kick. Um, and you just saw the energy that they provided. I think that that's exactly what the Jaguars need this week. They need more energy. They, they, they need to be able to play calm at the same time. Um, and I think that this, this atmosphere is perfect for, for what they want to do to get into the playoffs. Yeah, and you know, I think people don't realize around the country what a, a fan base that Jacksonville does have because, you know, here locally, people do love this team. And you saw when Tony Baselli was elected into the Hall of Fame, they traveled in legions up there to Ohio. So, you know, people are passionate about this team. It's just they haven't had a lot to be passionate about. So I guarantee that that stadium is going to be rocking and a bouncing on Saturday night. Absolutely. I, I completely agree. You know, this fan base has been um, sort of poo-pooed over the last, you know, however many years, all the talk to go into London, to L.A., to whatever. Uh, they don't show up, the, the the tarps, everything, you know, but they've shown up. They've stayed the course. Um, they've been through terrible times. I think this is going to be the game for them. Absolutely. So, Demetrius, is there anything else we haven't discussed that you might want to get in the audience before I let you go? Yeah, I, I sort of wanted to uh, talk about kind of going back to Doug Peterson, um, just what he's been able to do. I, I think that that is sort of remarkable uh, to be able to take this team and, and, and what they went through last year to bring it to now. I think that there should be some talk about his uh, coach of the year, Miritz. Obviously, you know, Sariani in, in Philadelphia, uh Dable and in, in, in New York, I think that they are definitely deserving as well. But uh, when you really look back on it, especially if they win um, on Saturday, I think that you should be able to at least look at Doug Peterson, look at the Jaguars, what he's been able to do and sort of give him a nod or at least some votes for coach of the year. And I'm going to be writing about that uh, this week and, and sort of what they've sort of accomplished this year uh, leading into the Titans game. 
and how exciting it's been. This is your first year covering the Jaguars for the Times Union, although you've been covering the team for a while. It's my first year being the sports editor over the Times Union. And also the Jaguars have a new communications chief in John Dever, a friend of mine. So, you know, the three of us will consider ourselves their rabbit's foot. What do you think, Demetrius? Absolutely, we are. (laughs) <laughs> All right. And if people want to follow you along, I know you've got a big social media following and you help me uh, get my predictions out there because Demetrius, I'm going to beat all the Times Union staff plus ESPN's Mike DiRocco. I'm going to be our prediction champion. So where where can we find you on social media and how awesome is that that I'm going to win? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You can find me on social media um, at, at Demetrius82 on Twitter. Uh, I pretty much only use Twitter, uh, but, but, you know, yeah, obviously the predictions, I haven't done a, a great job. I think this team has been so weird. Uh, you, you really can't predict it every week, but somehow Tim, you've been able to rise above it. And I'm sure, uh, Mike DeRocco would, would love to hear, um, how much of, 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 of success you've had and, and how much, um, everybody has, has, you know, sort of rallied together and, 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 and made these predictions this year. It's been, it's been fun, but, uh, he's, he's been struggling with, with, with that as well. Yeah, and clearly in your Demetrius 82 handle, that 82 is certainly not a birth year. If you were four years old when Peyton Manning was a rookie. <laughs> yeah, it's not a birth year. I think I've told it before. Um, you know, obviously growing up in Jacksonville, uh, 82, Jimmy Smith, he's been one of the uh, top top wide receivers. I think I think uh, he's probably uh, the the inspiration for that. I made this account in 2008 and I've never really looked back. So there you go. And Jimmy Smith and Fred Taylor. Let's get those guys in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. I mean, at the very least, Fred Taylor, I think he's a semifinalist this year. Um, You know, he has a chance to become a a finalist and and we'll see in January um, or I I guess this month at at some point. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see. But but yeah, absolutely. They they both deserve it. I think they've uh, accomplished so much over their careers. Absolutely. And if you want all of Demetrius's work, you go to Jacksonville.com, home of the Florida Times Union. Demetrius, Thanks for joining me, and I look forward to talking to you again as the playoffs go on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right, and that's going to do it for this episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast, the first of 2023. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote Tom Coughlin, the Jaguars' all-time winningest coach, winning is what happens when commitment, desire, talent, preparation, hard work, and leadership all come together. And right now, it is for the Jaguars. Thanks for listening, and join us again next week. Yeah.